Good morning and welcome to the Preventing Grace podcast. It is October 10th, 2022, and Twitter just told me in this like hysterical voice that winter is coming. And do I know what's what to do to get ready for it? <laughs> Wait, it's asking you whether you know winter is coming? Well, no, it's telling like there's a big thing. I'm, it's not trending, but it's like AccuWeather six ways to know the winter is coming or something. Oh, here's what you can expect. Winter is coming. Here's what you can expect this year. Like, uh, we don't have this every year and we should, it's going to, well, but see now it's different because it's going to snow because, this year. Because, no, but see, snow. it's different because the climate, you know, cause we've, we've so damaged the climate that it's going to be cold. Well, there's going to be snow. <laughs> Unlike every other year. And, you know, the, the climate changes now because of our... Every winter of, changes yeah, from being fall to being it, winter. Yeah, it gets really cold because because climate, because because of greenhouse gases and cows farting and stuff. Well, there is going to be so, a La Nina, so there might be and more so snow. So you need to pay $50,000 for an electric car if you don't want the winter to be cold anymore. Well, that's not what this... This is in upstate New York. No, I know. It's all, it's all conspiracy. Like when it got really hot in the summer, remember the... It got, it got up at like 95 degrees and then all of the it's the first time i've ever seen it like all of the maps the weather maps turned like this blisteringly red yeah that was pretty great yeah because and and it, it was suddenly because you're not driving an electric car i mean even though like it gets really hot in europe every single yeah it was summer it, it, that's what happens it wasn't when this, it gets hot it wasn't a hot this as hot this summer as it was the year i was born which was a drought <laughs> and all the ladybugs died the year i was born in england oh really Mm-hmm. I can remember a very hot year. I, mean, I grew up in South Texas, and I, it was it was in this it was hot in the winter sometimes, but in the summer it was really hot. But here, I mean, I, I remember many, 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 many worse winters than we've had recently. Well, that's a early. bad sign because if it doesn't get really, really cold and have a lot of snow, then all the bugs don't die, <laughs> and the garden is better in the. In our short short growing season, when it's a cold winter, so yes, that's, that's true thing. But anyway, that's not what we were going to talk about today. But I just saw it seemed like important breaking news. Hey guys, winter's coming. <laughs> Here's six things you can expect. I love that. Like you, <laughs> like you, like it might come upon you unexpectedly. You just, might just, just in be case you want to know. Totally happen. shocked by winter coming. Um, what? what are you trying to stop me from yeah you're like you're <laughs> i'm sure it's great for our sound quality <laughs> we're we're in we're <laughs> we're sitting up in our bed with a dog under the covers and i do think that cat, we should like the, your cat's gotten to be obnoxious yeah well she she's, she's worse than ever was before she like I, the alarm goes off, and she just wherever she is in the house, she comes in. That that's her signal to walk on her head, to walk yeah, in my head. Yeah, she walks back and forth on your head. Her and you can't lay on your back, or else she'll. She gets on your back and settles in. Or no, on you, you can't lay on your back because you're getting your stomach. So like, well, no. anyway. either way, like if you're on your back, yeah, she'll sleep on your chest. If you're on your stomach, she'll sleep on your. She'll get right between your shoulder blades. So you have to be on the side. You have to sleep on your side. Well, now she sleeps on me on my <laughs> side now. <laughs> What I wanted to say is that we never, on this important 
podcast documented our journey towards a comfortable bed. Oh. And yeah. I thought maybe our listener would be really, really interested in how I we, can't imagine anything more. How we decided to get rid of our bed because we've had back pain for years. <laughs> and so we did. We we got we made a child take our our traditional Western mattress and our bed frame. And we bought a thin Japanese. It's not, it's not a, you might, you might say futon, but it's not futon. It's actual, it's an actual, I forget what they call it. It's just a thin, thin thing. mat. I remember sleeping on them when I was in Japan, when I visited as a teenager. And, uh, yeah, and it was cheaper than a, than a traditional mattress. Much right, cheaper, we would have had to pay that that right millions there. of dollars <laughs> for a, or a, one of those things that has lots of different numbers on them. What happened, we were camping, and we were using the fold-out couch mattress for camping, and we realized, hey, this is a lot more comfortable than a regular mattress. Um, foam. It was, thin, it was a thin mattress, and we were, but it was still, we were sleeping. It was foam. Yeah, it was foam. So we bought this thing, and it was still, it was just really, it was a really tiny bit thin, so we bought a memory foam a memory foam to put over it and now it's like well then we had to figure decide where to put it like because we were sleeping on a mat in the middle of our office and everybody was walking up and down over us because it's so great how when you're sleeping on the floor all of your animals think that you've <laughs> you've bought a huge dog bed basically <laughs> they're like so happy yeah and then the cat the cat brought us a a present a mouse that he killed a partially it wasn't dead oh yeah it was right. severely maimed so i decided i could not be <laughs> where on did she the put floor it? Where the cat she put next it? to that was him the he cat right the he cat hmm. brought us i think he was like just right next to my pillow like as a, a gift so i was so freaked out not that they can't do that now so we're you built a platform that's one so then we thought we'll buy ourselves a fancy platform <laughs> but it's that expensive would, that to like buy 200 that bucks, too. 300 bucks right well and it would come in you know nine months right from scandinavia right so you bought you you made a thing of we're like a foot off the floor tucked in less than a foot less than a foot off the floor so far, there haven't been any more. I made a platform for our gifts. bed. Yeah, that's what I said. You made a platform for our bed. I said that. No, you said you said that you're you're hazy. I want people to understand. My, I actually made a. Oh. I, I made a platform for because. Yeah, you. I'm a man, and men do that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> they build things. <laughs> I, I wasn't this. questioning you. I, I was yeah, reporting. I, I know. Well, you didn't. You kind of. You were not clear in that point, so I just wanted to. Make... <laughs> So it's hard to get in and out of because we're like slotted into this section of the wall or something. So you have to stand up and you bang your head on the ceiling because we're living in the servants' quarters of our house. <laughs> the maid must have lived up here with a lock, a lock on, the, on the outside of the door. Of the door. <laughs> and, so you um, can't lock yourself in, but someone can lock you in. I'm not sure, and it's old, so I, mean, I feel very it's sorry an, for yeah. <laughs> the, whoever the, the maids was. were maltreated, but there's a, a, you know, there was a bathroom up here. So anyway, it's as it should be because when you have children, you're servants of all, and so 
It's pretty great though. It's unusual. It's taken me a long time to become psychologically okay with actually sleeping on a, on a, like a, not in a regular way, very low on the ground. But I've not had back problems since we made this shift. I do occasionally, but it's because I have a different kind of back than you do. It's still much better than it was. Like, I think I will never be fully free from back pain, back pain until our Lord returns, but it's massively better. So I thought we should invite, we should offer like tips, you know, but first of all, this for me was a journey. We didn't know what, where was, where would we go next in our search for the ability to sleep through the night? And so we went one step at a time. I thought that it would be great listicle, like six ways to get rid of your bed and sleep on the floor. That would be really boring. I yeah, yeah, I yeah. It's like the whole internet, though. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, ways to process how you're feeling about <laughs> your journey towards a comfortable bed. I just, I don't think we handled it. We didn't, like, make the most of this Time. It is interesting, like the most boring things in the world. Like if you just put the word journey and make a narrative out of it, and <laughs> like you can't just say, "Hey, we got had bad problems with buying a bed." You have to say, "Here's my let me document my journey to buying it." The thing is, it did occupy a lot of my, you know, background emotional <laughs> space while we were doing it. <laughs> I did think a lot, like, "Where are we gonna? How is this gonna work? Where? When are we gonna do it? Where am I? Where are we gonna put it?" And then. I feel like the mouse thing was sort of one of those, you know, false defeats. Oh, like, like oh, I definitely, this is it. I can't, I gotta, I gotta burn down my house now. Not only, <laughs> but. Uh, what do you mean a false defeat? Because you just, you brought in something from an obscure book that you read in the mail. Oh yeah. That's Save the cat. Because <laughs> if, you know, if you want to write a book, you should read Save the Cat. It'll explain to you how to write a it book. It tells you how to do a narrative that's made it's compelling. <laughs> Actually, it tells you why why you need a climax, why you need a false resolution, a real resolution, why you need Well not why, but when to do it. Yeah. Oh, and it's really important because we do have cats. And <laughs> so if your book is failing, what you do is when things are getting really boring, you have somebody save a cat out of a tree or something. <laughs> Or in our case, your cat brings you a disgusting mouse and it intensifies the drama and carries the story along. It's one way to save your script, your manuscript from just disaster. And that literally happened to us. I don't know why we didn't write it up into a story. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually boring myself right now with this conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, what did you want to talk about? I thought we said, we said. We can talk about communism in the family. Yeah, I thought that we were. That yeah, we I don't know. I just today. thought, Why like, you, maybe. Why did on talking about the bed? Like, no one cares well, because about Because I, I, no I kept meaning to bring it up. And we're, like, in our third or fourth podcast being back, and I kept meaning to. And so I did now. I feel okay, better. I'm, I'm, it was, we're 11 minutes in. <laughs> no one cares about, about our bed. I know. Does anybody care? It's like the, it's like the anti-podcast. Right? We're trying to get people done. We, 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 we take long, unannounced breaks. Mm-hmm. We talk about our bed for like 
11 minutes, 11 minutes and, or 12 minutes and two seconds now. And then. Yeah. Okay, well, what did you want to say? What we agreed to talk about before, <laughs> before we started the thing. We also you know talked about the weather. Don't don't forget that. Yeah, that's true. So I was really shocked by this horrible. I wasn't really shocked by this article, this book review about a book, a woman that wants to abolish the family. What was it in? What was it published in? Was it in? Uh, the the article was the book review was on the New Statesman. Okay. What is that? That's what's well, a leftist thing, but not not it's not it's not it's not um it's not so leftist that it's like you know Vox or something, but it's the are the review is called Red Love for All. Family is a terrible way to satisfy our desire for love and care, according to the writer and academic Sophie Lewis. The solution: abolish it. It was a wonderful article, full of great one-liners. You told me about it when you were writing. I didn't think much of it, but at the same time you were reading this, I was reading the article, the chapter in uh, in Rise and Triumph, rereading the Rise and Triumph chapter on Marx and and how he's his understanding of you know, morality and ethics are all constructs to to preserve and protect a given economic structure. And so if you want to change human nature, he thought you just change the economic structure and everything goes, is better. So, so he, this is one of the reasons why they, 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 they identified the, the family as a, as a bourgeois construct, like a, the nu- nuclear and ex- even extended family is kind of a construct of ba- a vestige of a, a, a regressive economic system. So, and now I'm sure that that critique is expanded to not only just the regressive economic system, but regressive uh, you know, relations between sexes, relations between all of that. And so, and so, the communists in the early 20th century were wanted to really do away with all of the family structure. And so now here it is. <laughs> and you were re- you were reading this article. Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. So it's of course I mean, the assumption is family is not a given. It's not something that it's not something that that God has established when He created male and female and said, "Hey, why don't you guys procreate?" Uh, not why don't he's, he has, he's a command. Well, so this is this is a, this is fantastic here. This line: the family, Lewis, and other abolitionists and feminists argue privatizes care. What's Everything is economic. The legal and economic structure. The nuclear household warps love and intimacy into abuse, ownership, scarcity. Children are private property, legally owned and fully economically dependent on their parents. The hard work of care, looking after children, cooking and cleaning, is hidden away and devalued, performed for free by women or for scandalously low pay by domestic workers. Even the happiest family, in the words of writer Ursula Le Guin, are built upon a whole structure of sacrifices, repressions, suppressions, choices made or foregone, chances taken or lost, balancings of greater or lesser evils. If we abolish the family, we abolish the most fundamental unit of priv- privatization and scarcity, scarcity in our society. More care, more love for all. So the question is, uh, who, who then becomes the family? Like, who then raises the child? Well, it's supposed to be a collective. The village village raises the child? Well, no, it's like a a collective. Well, that's what, that's what it takes a village raises the child means. Well, yes, but if a village in traditional 
you know, bygone thoughts was made up of families. Right. So right. you all go live in one big long house and just, you right. know. But when former presidential candidate Hillary Clinton said a village, wrote a book about a village. Did she, has she ever been to a village? She, wasn't, ta- she wasn't talking about the traditional construct. No, she was I, talking about the Marxist <laughs> construct. But <laughs> again, though, it's made of, it's like they've never been to villages or they've never. Like you actually, you were, you were literally raised in a village. <laughs> was literally raised <laughs> in a village. So that is, that's a, that's a big thing. All of these people who think it would be so great to share everything. And they think that the nuclear family, right, that's so bad and, and terrible. They, okay, many places around the world, the nuclear family, there isn't a nuclear family. The grandparents, aunts and uncles, everybody lives together. But part of that system is that a man often and usually has more than one wife. So, yeah, you get help, but the help you get is your rival co-wife. <laughs> she gets to have her own kitchen. These women don't really have a clue what they are trying to throw over, or what they get when they throw it over. They they don't know the consequences. It is completely theoretical. Well, right, because yeah, because yeah, because of the. If you buy the idea that that all of this is just a, con- a manifestation of the present economic system defending itself and not a given, not, an, not a, the family isn't an absolute thing, then sure you can reconstruct everything and you and, and, and you and you then decide all of our present pathologies, all of our different you know abuse, uh, people being bad. It's all it's all if you you can locate people being bad to the family structure, then yeah, let's get rid of it and it'd be so much better. Like if. You know, who wouldn't rather have the state raising, raising But they children? don't, they've never experienced, they, they have terrible family situations, which must be driving their right. desire to get rid of their families. They, they don't, they haven't experienced any other thing. So they're rejecting something. Right. They don't actually know what it would be like to live in a collective. They can imagine yeah. it. They've made it up in their minds. They haven't actually experienced it. And I'm pretty sure that if they did, they would suddenly think that it was pretty awful. Unless they were, of course, at the top of that, the hierarchy, which would inevitably form. Because when you have a, a communal situation yes. where everyone is, quote, egalitarian, that's not true. Some animals are more equal than others. Yeah. <laughs> that's always happened. And, right. of course, they would be at the top. So they would, they, that's their assumption. They wouldn't actually, they would feel all the love and the care. But that's not this has been tried and it has never ever gone well like do they not know how to read do they not know how to travel why do they um yeah i love that she's an academic so lewis acknowledges too that there there is something psychically challenging about abolishing the family as with all abolitionist yeah. politics, family ab- abolition calls into question some of our most deeply held notions of ourselves about kinship, belonging, and identity. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, this is so shocking. I don't think women... No, I'm not going to say it out loud. What? I was going to say, women shouldn't be allowed to, 
to go to school until they <laughs> until they had to dig some ditches. <laughs> you shouldn't say it out loud. I didn't say it out loud. Um, or draw the water from the well for a really long time before you can go learn to read. And then, I mean, it's so decadent. Well, it, it, again, it, 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 can you, I mean, it, the, I think the reason people like this, I think you pointed out, and you're right, that, that probably she, she had a bad family experience. But the fact that she had a bad family experience and it causes her to react in this way uh, shows, I think, implies that she really wants a good family experience. That's why she's reacting this way. Is it, is it, the, the need for family is so so embedded in the, in the person from God that that when it turns out wrongly, right? You, you when 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 your when your father turns out to be abusive, or your mother or both turns out to be abusive, um, the recoil is so great because it's such a marring and ruin of what God made that you that you hate even you, you, you react with hatred against the idea of a father who's God, or, you know, God the Father, or any kind of masculine. How you just but that's that all goes back to the real the fact that it really is embedded in the system. It really is embedded in who human beings are, right? So you so you can't um, your whole life is trying to avoid what you know is true. Yeah, and so you, but you have to construct a, a complete and total economic system that destroys it because it's the only way. I mean, was right. Marx? What was Marx's family situation? Did he have a great <laughs> well mother and father? His parents were fine. His he himself, as a father and husband, was horrible. He was like he he didn't support them. Um, I'm reading this the biography of Marx right now. He was a, he was a really bad man. <laughs> he was sort of like he might you know like a really lazy teenager who's who's allowed to be this lazy and and not make any money for himself, but but then suck off the people around him all his life. That's kind of Marx. And so he he thought, this is great. I'm going <laughs> to make all society I'm going to make a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I never really could love Dickens. There's a couple of Dickens novels that I like, but when I learned that he, what, what, how horribly he treated his wife and his nine children, I never could get excited about how he was all on the side of the poor. Mm-hmm. You know, so many of, all of his books are really kind of, uh, social justice funny, wonderful writing, of course, but the, uh, the subs- it's about inequality and unfairness, right? Almost right. every single one. And I thought, well, the, you start out, yeah, yeah, that's really terrible. Inequality, fairness is so bad. But then you discover that late in life, he left his wife. He humiliated and left his wife with his nine children or whatever, however many children, and went off with somebody younger. And... <clears throat> And nobody seemed to really think that was terrible. And I thought, no, after that, I can't, I can't read his, I'm not on his side. You're not, Yeah. you're not, you don't really care about the poor. You care about the poor out there. So that's one of the things that I really, really loathe about this kind of, well, the, the Sophie Lewis person, but Glennon Doyle says it as well. This is so wicked, but the idea it's naive. The, the idea that if you, it's not your job to care for your own children. You need to love the children of the world. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, and you, and you, uh, you link that to progressive liberation. Right? So uh, you're be free. 
be yeah. free, basically be free of your responsibilities, but, but scold everyone. Because it usually does involve actual children. So Glennon Doyle has children and she wants to be the mother for the whole world. <laughs> and she constantly lectures people about being the mother of the whole world or embracing all the children of the world. But <clears throat> she blew up her own family so that her children don't have their father and she took up with a another woman. I mean, of course, their father is around. And the official line is that it's so wonderful and everybody loves right. each other so much. And we don't get to, you know, talk about what's really happening with her kids, except you do get glimpses every now and then when her young child comes to her and says uh, she's worried about death. Mm. And Glennon Doyle says, well, you're just a, you're like a bucket of sand. And when you die, you're going to be poured into the ocean of being. And apparently that made the child feel really happy and was fine. But that's, for me, I would say that's essentially abusive. <laughs> you, you're emotionally manipulating and destroying the lives of your what children. What child would feel better about that after your bucket of sins and poured out yeah. in the ocean? I don't, I think that's, I, I think that's like stuff, the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> so, but she, the official line is that she cares for all the children of the world. And we all just need to do that. We all need to love more. <laughs> we need to love all the children, not just your own children. Yeah. That's interesting <laughs> with the article is that there's a, there's a sense of injustice that you have your own family like that you have your own group of people you care for it's in it's, it's exclusivist for you to be just my wife and for, and for me to be just your husband and for our children to be just our children why not why aren't we sharing ourselves with the whole world um, in every possible way <laughs> which is what you know people like women are actually doing right there she's shared herself with with the whole world with whoever she wants to share herself with and because she's a, a jaguar or whatever what is she a cheetah. A cheetah, right. <laughs> right. Jaguar is better, though. Um, <laughs> well, whatever her inner self animal is, that's what that's what has led her to do those things. But um, but it's uh, it's so incredibly selfish. I mean, you, you think you, it's couched in language of sharing and justice and not being exclusive, but it's so without the family. And you see this in the article. What happens is you turn inward on yourself. Um, you know, the, she the, they in the article. The idea of sacrifice, giving of yourself for another person, putting another person in your family first, all that is seen and all that is re, re is is redefined as being oppressed. Like someone who makes you sacrifice yourself is oppressing you. Yeah, well, and you're being abused. If you give yourself over, like if you have to wash dishes. This is where I just like, how is washing dishes for the entire community less <laughs> oppressive than washing dishes for just, you know, your two kids. What was it? Like she calculated how many times a, a, a woman, uh, a fictitious woman might wash dishes for her family. For her family in a, second, in a given year. And it was like 1,000. 1,095 meals. And so meals. that's like a it's slave labor. And so it's better. Like if, I, I don't know what, like if you just get your, uh, your meal packet from the, the state machine that, that churns it out and you sit in your little gray, no, she wants a communal kitchen where everybody shares. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Yeah, but that can do okay. If this was if this system were enacted, you wouldn't have the communal kitchen. Well, you'd there have, wouldn't be any food because nobody the, would be growing you'd have it. Cheese 
mine. So <laughs> you're winding up to get cheese from the state in little gray packages. You sit down and eat with your little bucket of water. Yeah, so here it is. This is uh, ab Family abolition asks us to take seriously the idea that children are everyone's responsibility, not just that of their parents. Okay, inherent in that is the, the little flaw that if... At, Whenever, whenever something is everybody's responsibility, it's no one's responsibility. <laughs> Try it out. Tell your kids, we're all responsible for the house, which means no one's responsible and no one does anything. So if children belong to everyone, they will not be cared for. No, they will be cared for, but by, by predators right, and right. wicked people. Okay, so this is an idea with long genealogy, which Lewis traces in the messy histories of the activists who have tried to live according to a more emancipatory family politics. We meet the Russian revolutionary thinker and activist Alexandra Kolon, Kolon, I don't know how to say it, who demanded that society will feed, bring up, and educate the child, and that the narrow and exclusive affection of the mother for her own children must expand until it extends to all the children of the great proletarian family. This is a red love, a social love, that broke open the narrowly bourgeois love yeah, there it is. of biological parenthood. So, the, yeah, it's and all, it doesn't leave a wreckage behind of children destroyed, lives broken. It doesn't do that, right? Because because there's, that's not it's not real. Like the, the, all the sentimental affections that we've been taught to have for for children and they, they for us, that's all just again a construct to defend bourgeois morality and, and, and ethnicity. So you just or, um, sorry, ethics. So you just you smash it. And then you, ipso facto, you create new people with new ideas about they have new affections, and they'll love the state, they'll love, they'll love the collective, and they won't love their parents anymore because it doesn't really matter who your parents are. I mean, nobody like, you know, people who don't know who their parents are, they don't care. Yeah. They, they don't go on lifelong searches to figure out who they're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no one, no one has any intrinsic worry about or or concern with their lineage. That's just all been imposed upon us. So what we need is a red family. What is a red, a red, red something? <clears throat> it's, and I love how they put the words emancipation. And it's a red it. love. Red love, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that the person who's reviewing that book said, used the word that, okay, it's a bit messy. <laughs> yeah, it's messy. <laughs> it's, it's not just messy. It's like... It's, there's carnage. Yeah, there's red. Carnage. The red is like the blood <laughs> flowing down from the children. <laughs> right. It's it's interesting that though people like this is happening. I think with the, the trans stuff, parents are delivering up their children mm -hmm. for trans ideology to the state because they they want to be loved by the the patriarchal state. Right. <laughs> they don't have a you know, their own husband or wife that they love. They need an affirmation from some greater <laughs> social, ideological, you know, daddy in the hospital sky. And so they will give over their children to ideologies right. because they they don't have God. What's well, also being pushed for this, like when, you know, remember during the summer or maybe last, last spring, uh, when a lot of parents were showing up at, school board meetings and protesting because their kids were being literally indoctrinated into communism and 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 taught how to have sex and to and to be with themselves sexually um, and look at explicit pictures and parents were upset by that 
And what was the response to the left? Well, this is just why parents don't need to have any. <laughs> this is why parents shouldn't have any rights over their children. <clears throat> this is why we. This is why we need to keep parents from coming to these coming meetings. To these meetings. This is why we need to stick the FBI on them. I mean, it was it was a sick response, but it's built on this kind of assumption here. It is, it's it's a soft, it's a soft Marxist assumption that parents shouldn't really parents are benighted with bourgeois values, and they shouldn't really have the ultimate say over what happens to their kids. The state should, and the and the schools are going to enforce that. That so this article seems really radical, but it, the, it's the, not radical. The implications no. of it are already with us. Yeah, I mean, I think we're like living them out right now, and. And it's so people have already a lot of people already bought the assumptions that they haven't enacted the actual program. And they still live in their little houses, their their ghastly little apartments, and right. Uh, it's tragic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the I think that um, I mean, it's so 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 different. I mean, I was listening to the, your favorite guy. What's his name? I can't believe I I radicalized you. <laughs> or in McIntyre, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, he was he was talking about how I mean, I, when I before I hear these things, I would think, man, I remember when I was a kid, it wasn't like this. It was, um, and I'd want to fight to re- re- to return things back to the way they were when I was a kid. But actually, when I was a kid, these things were already kind of going on. They were just yeah. the progress. So we don't want to go back to an earlier form of liberalism. <laughs> We yeah, so and I like he says earlier form of like everybody's leftism, right? trying to like so James Lindsay just wants to go back to the early nineties. A lot of Christians want to go back to the nineteen fifties. Right. But actually, actually we need, we need, need to, to go all the way back past the before the Enlightenment. <laughs> right, right. And then just skip, go back. The, because because society has brought into the framework that's already it's, it's, it's brought that, that inevitably leads you here. Or, or the West has brought into a framework yeah. that inevitably leads you here. You can't, you can't just pick your um, she she precious thing that you like. You get the whole thing. You get transient kids out of this. Ultimately, right. you can't sort of be okay with sort of you know. Um, Hugh Hefner and think that's cute, but then be upset by transing the kids. No, no, no. Democratic it's all Republican of a piece. Re- Democratic Republican ethics are built on this kind of ideology. And Ultimately. a lot of people on the uh-huh. right have been basically okay with it too. They just want it to look. They don't want it to look this bad. Right. They right. want most of the stuff. They want a, a heavy amount of consumerism. They want to be able to move wherever they want, whenever, with no consequences. They they want all the technology. They just don't want to, you know, they want intact families, right. whatever that means. But they, and, and they do want that. I mean, such a thing is people are caught in the system. Just that's how they're raised and that's what they want. They just don't know that, that the system is well, at, at its foundation. Is I think so... he's like reacting to intellectuals who pretend that you can you can Have separate already. one thing from another and and that they're not intrinsically linked together but yeah ordinary people right, so the whole don't liberal... want the whole the ordinary people do want to be happy and mm-hmm. don't want to be political and don't want to think about this all the time and right. just want meaningful work and they don't want to raise the world's children they'd really just like to raise their own and then not have to 
die in poverty and you know right. the long dark approaching winter right but to get that to be permanent the whole liberal order and by liberal i don't mean like liberal like my meaning now I mean, the whole liberal order that began with the enlightenment has to be undone right well you can't we you, have can't, to, we have you to, can't get there with the, yeah. under the present framework you have no. to the, you have to go back to the, the pre-liberal well, so here's where I christian think, christendom framework of, of europe before before the revolution i would say in light of family systems at this point it's too complicated you can't go back but what you could do what christians should do is introduce as friedman say says new information into the system christians should introduce uh, should r totally reject the framework but they live inside it and so they should begin to introduce new new ideas and ways of being that will change the system that's how you change a family system you don't you can't get rid of everyone and yeah. start over but you can begin to relate to everybody differently yourself and your posture towards it can absolutely and completely shift which will necessarily tilt it back on itself and and bring about its own demise that's where i've joined my two favorite things right now orin mcintyre and tom uh, edwin freeman together in one glorious <laughs> thing and i would like to actually copyright my thoughts right here so that people don't steal them on the internet you don't agree with me no, i do well i think because you can't we can't we can't go back no <clears throat> but we can we can ra we can radically change right. how we engage with the sophie lewis's of the world and um and the whole system in which we are caught it made the whole this whole thing that makes me so happy like i didn't know just how good a decision it was when we decided to homeschool no i i had yeah. no idea it i was like, really unhappy about it like doing a terrible that. decision actually yeah <laughs> and in many time. ways it, it, it continued to be terrible <laughs> through the years right right but our, our kids just don't have that this framework in their heads they don't they don't have the liberal west framework in their heads no. they don't they haven't been taught and so when they that structure when so when they encounter it they find it ugly and they're horrified they have severe culture shock but they're learning how to our kids are straight up christian monarchists yeah <laughs> <laughs> they would really like to go back to it yeah. they're trying to figure and out how to live <laughs> in a world where they are completely alien and can be cheerful and happy but not be over overcome by it right, i right. mean they're right <clears throat> they're they're doing pretty well I yeah think. i mean i'm i'm impressed so in in so aiden's experiences in college right now are kind of interesting because he's well his teacher was worried that he was being silenced <laughs> he's a white so Christian he's, he's, male. Going, he's taking a class on public policy which is very it's a very he's a very liberal professor and a very liberal and by this by liberal here i mean leftist but leftist professor and so he, but he's really interested in getting a's so he goes to this extra credit like debate it was i guess mm -hmm. about but it wasn't a debate about pro-life versus abortion and he took the abortion position or the pro-life pro position and there was a woman there who was also a professor who was taking the pro-abortion position and she basically owned all the space and shut him down yeah he wasn't allowed because to he's speak. a white male he wasn't allowed to speak um and which of course of course he's not allowed to speak <laughs> and then but his professor came to him afterwards was it? well yeah as i just said are do you feel do you feel silenced <laughs> and aiden was like yes i do <laughs> so then she worked out some way for him to his voice to be heard. 
which is fascinating because like, he's a white male. He's a white. But he's he's kind to her, and all of the other students are uninterested and mean, and all the professors are treated very poorly by the student mm. body and belittled, and nobody mm. talks in class. So if you show just a, a small amount of kindness and interest, and you raise your hand in class, the teacher is like. <gasps> You know, you're literally Jesus. And so he has been heard because she's so depressed. <laughs> so I, it is pretty great. The other one is having to fill out little forms about how she feels while she's doing her homework. Yeah. And that's been a really big struggle. So she's trying to pick her battle. What is she going to complain right. about? Um What's fascinating to me is, you know, I, I, and I, I, I've mentioned this every time, is I, I keep getting surprised that our kids, when they hit college, aren't going to be radicalized, but they're not radicalized the way I thought they'd be radicalized. They're radicalized even further. Like, they go to a, they go to a, a school where the prevailing ideology is so far to the left that, that, you know, if all the people last week who said, our kids being raised in our oppressive home, <laughs> as soon as they got freedom, we're going to you know, radicalize. Um, mm. Actually, they, they hit these, they, they hear this stuff coming out of their professor's mouths and they're horrified. And they're like, and, and in, in fact, the fact that the entire edifice of their college experiences right now is, is tyrannically left. That causes a re yeah, they're re rebellion, they're, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not in a disrespectful way, but they're going to, they're reacting against leftism. Yeah. And, and re-entrenching themselves in. They're, they're depressed by how boring it is and how yeah um and how ugly but i said they have to they should just keep coping and then <laughs> as they say cope but because things they can make they can go and find if they can endure this they will have won themselves some cred and they'll be able to do more interesting yeah. things and so I'm, I'm impressed by yeah. the, but I do think it helps that we did manage again, by the grace of God, somehow to build a really strong, and I would say fairly beautiful, uh, core. So our life at home is very open and kind and respectful and non-revolutionary and we have good lighting i think that's really important <laughs> we don't have too much overhead lighting so and that like you can't see the dust that way that's important mm -hmm. and we have stacks of books everywhere and so there's this sort of i think when they walk they walk back in there's this golden hue about course, our home there's also and our the smell life. of cat urine and well that's true but it's only <laughs> if you don't have a cold and it's the long cold winter so nobody can smell it anymore but the they right our our house is messy but well, we have two dogs and two cats and i wish what i'm trying to say is zero we have a nice culture it's stronger our family culture is stronger and more interesting and more fun than what's out there and yeah so it's kind of no contest so i mean that this argument in the article we're reading will only will only be heard by people who 
live in a dark, cold, miserable space, which many yeah. do. Yeah. So, and that's terrible. But Christians, you know, you can go, you can offer this warm glow of Christian love to people who live in the dark, you know, shadows, mm-hmm. and they will respond. Yeah. You know, they'll listen to you. Because it's, oh, oh, here's what I want. We, we do have to move along with our day, but here's my final most important thing that happened this weekend. I was sitting in the back, or I was, anyway, I was in the way back in the narthex of the church, and the doors were open because it was a beautiful, bright fall day, and we were singing, so this, the church was singing, and you could hear it from the outside, and two kids rode up on their bikes onto our church porch, and they looked oh, in yeah. the door, and they were confused. They looked, they looked befuddled, and they said out loud to each other, one and one was like, what's going on? And yeah. they kind of stood there for a minute, and then the one said, oh, it's a funeral. <laughs> and then why they else, wrote, would, people why else would people be in church with singing? It, it, on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning. They didn't know what it was. It's it was fascinating. And then they rode off. And I didn't have time. I was going to like go and try to explain this. this but I did. We're worshiping Jesus. Yeah, that this happens every, every week. week. It's not a funeral. It's the <laughs> resurrection of the dead. So maybe they'll come back. But that, I mean, That's you right. talk about the barbarian coming yeah. up against an aqueduct. Yeah. There are two children who walk up to a church and don't know what it is and don't know what's going on and have never heard That's it amazing. at all. I was amazed. So... Oh, we have a reading from the Passion. To I just randomly off. opened this to uh, let's see what book this is. This is if you don't remember, the Passion is the the translation from God. God, God gave this translation to um, what's his name? I can't find his name. Uh, <coughs> Brian Simmons. Yeah. So so if you have a Bible at home that is like that was translated by a by a committee of translators who know Greek and Hebrew and have spent their lives studying translation, throw it away because that doesn't have, it's not, it's not directly from the Holy Spirit like this one is. So this guy, he doesn't know the other languages, but, but but this is what the Holy Spirit has told him the the original languages mean. So you don't need those other books, Uh, those other translations. So here's, here's chapter one of, of, uh, of I guess his the Holy Spirit's trans the Passion translation of of I think it's Galatia Galatians. Um, it says in the front, like on I the bottom. It's the it must be Galatians, right? Because this is the first one. Here. Okay, so this is verses three to four. I pray over you a release of the blessings of God's undeserved kindness and total well being that flows from our Father God and from the Lord Jesus. He's the anointed Messiah who offered his soul as a sacrifice for our sins. He has taken us out of this evil world system and set us free through our salvation, just as God desired. All the glory will go to God alone through time and eternity. Amen. I love that verse line. I pray over you a release of the blessings of God's undeserved kindness. That's like, that's, I feel like, that's like. I'm speechless. Thank thank goodness that. (laughs) Yeah, it's much better than the usual. Mm -hmm. Right, I'm shocked over how quickly you have deserted the grace gospel and strayed away from the anointed one who called you to himself by his loving mercy. I'm frankly astounded. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I am I'm too. frankly astounded that you now embrace a distorted gospel of salvation by works. That this that is a fake gospel. It, it, that is simply not true. And there is only one gospel, the gospel of the Messiah. Yet you have allowed those who mingle law with grace to commend to confuse you with lies. Anyone who comes to you with a different message than the one than the, than the grace gospel that you have received will all have the curse of God come upon them. For even if we or an angel appeared before you to give you a different gospel than what we have already proclaimed, God's curse will be upon them. That's okay. I will make it clear. Anyone, no matter who they are, that brings you a different gospel than the cursed, than the grace gospel that you have received, let them be condemned and cursed. I'm obviously not trying to flatter you or water down my message. <laughs> to be it's okay. So this, okay. <laughs> just, grace gospel is a very I awkward phrase. Yeah. Well, also it kind of just it reads like. It reads like, um, I don't know, like a wrong Twitter thread or something. <laughs> or something. So, yeah, this is obviously not a word-for-word translation. It's, it's, <laughs> no, no it's, kidding. It's, it's, the, it's the Holy Spirit telling him. Are we going to pick it. up there next week? Yeah, we should pick up there next week. Keep reading um, through the Bible for our right. listener. I don't um, know. I thought we should, like, jump around. We don't have every single book of the Passion Bible. We only have a few of them. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just, this, this is, Galatians is a good one to read through. Is, Galatians is kind of harsh, and I'll see, we'll see what, not harsh, but he's, Paul is quite irate. I mean, so. he's super winsome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Paul always winsome, wins the winsome debate, the winsome right. awards. Right. Mr. Winsome. Mr. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening, and maybe we'll be back next week.